Welcome to the free sermon podcast of the Potter's House Church in Virginia Beach, affiliated with Christian Fellowship Ministries. Our vision is winning souls, making disciples, and planting churches. It's time for Next Gen Friday. We are so excited about the future of our fellowship that we highlight the 40 and under pastors of CFM. We hope you are inspired by the deep bench of pastors and leaders coming up around the world. Make sure to subscribe from wherever you're listening to continue hearing life-changing messages. If you like what you hear, please support World Evangelism by subscribing to the premium version of this podcast for even more sermons. Links are in the show notes. Enjoy today's sermon. Praise God. I'm excited for uh, everything I'm experiencing here. It's just been one weekend. Last night, this morning, I felt the Holy Ghost as soon as you started up singing and worshiping God yesterday. Amen. So, uh, of course, me and my wife, we appreciate this honor to preach uh, here in Katy. I want to minister on prayer. I want to minister on prayer. And I have, a, I have an idea. I have a plan uh, by the Holy Ghost If I minister on prayer, then you're going to be in the prayer room tonight. And if we're all in the prayer room tonight calling on God, His fire and Holy Ghost power is going to move tonight. Amen? So I'm going to challenge you on prayer. I'm trusting you're going to receive this and that we're going to be in the prayer room tonight calling down heaven. And then tonight I'm going to pray for healing and Holy Ghost fire. Amen. This sermon is called What Prayer Can Do. And if you want to open your Bibles, join me in Luke chapter 5. Luke chapter 5 and Luke 22. Luke 5. Luke 22, and then I'll give you three more verses after we finish those. In any trade school, as with the military and most jobs in general, they must ensure that you know the function and the purpose of all of the tools on site before you handle them. Think of a time that someone had to show you the way uh, that something technical operates. Maybe uh, for all of us, if you have your license, just recall your days of training behind the wheel. For some people, that's the most powerful piece of equipment that they'll operate their whole life. They're driving a car, thousands of pounds, flammable liquid. For me, uh, training behind the wheel consisted of a few white knuckle, red faced, highly confrontational outings with my beloved mother. <laughs> she, uh, if you go to the Bullhead Church, you'll hear her worship. Her voice just booms across you know, the whole church as she worships God. And uh, just imagine what that can do in the cab of a car when you make a wrong turn or such. <laughs> Operating the tools of the trade on a job site, especially powerful, potentially dangerous ones, this requires focused training and sometimes even special certificates, right? How many of you, you have a specialized training, a specialized job, you need a certificate for what you do? Once you are or you know someone who is competent and well-trained on a device, you're comforted by the confidence that you have in them. I mean, if you've ever been uh, digging with a shovel and then a, and then a dude pulls up with a tractor, you know, he pulls up with a, uh, a, you know, these, these heavy pieces of equipment that thousands of shovelfuls in one bucket scoop, you're grateful. You're grateful to have some powerful machinery right next to you. It makes the job a lot easier. I used to work in a warehouse. I was uh, pulling orders for a plumbing uh, supply company, and we'd have you know powerful power lifts and, and a cherry picker going through all of the aisles. So you had to watch out, clear out. Here comes the, the big machine. Several times, almost got my foot cut off. But there's one guy I trusted, and we didn't have all that we needed right away. Sometimes you had to pull orders really fast. They'd have bathtubs stuck st- uh, stacked for two, three stories. So I just jumped on the forks of the forklift and he raised me up some 25 feet. I trusted him. 
I'm crazy like that. My wife still try to, you know, make me normal, but. <laughs> but one tool that we all have access to that very well could be the most powerful tool ever used by humanity, yet it's not held in our hands, it is prayer. It is prayer. I knew you would say amen to that, and so I wrote here, we can say amen, but this is so easy to forget and take for granted multiple times. In your walk with God, many times you will fight the battle to take prayer for granted. I've been there myself. Unlike the workforce or the military, there isn't any mandatory training on the weapon of prayer prior to use. It's not like you go through prayer school. You know, preachers, we've got so many topics, and by the Holy Ghost, when you need it, we're going to preach on prayer, but it's not every service we're preaching on prayer. There's not a manual, there's not a sign-off sheet, a checklist to be a strong Christian. We don't have the paperwork. We trust in the Spirit of God. Most everyone can access God's Word to find examples of prayer's use and the format of even how to pray. And we understand that faith without works is dead. Yet works without faith is pointless. We know it only pleases God, things done by faith. So the opposite can be true. A life without faith, a life without prayer, is displeasing to God. Displeasing to the Father. Let's read in Luke chapter 5. Here we find Jesus himself, God in the flesh, the Messiah. He escapes to pray. Uh, and many times throughout his ministry we read this. Here's one example. Luke chapter 5, verse 15 and 16. However... The report went around concerning him all the more. Word of mouth, powerful in those days. They didn't have billboards. And great multitudes came together to hear and to be healed by him of their infirmities. So he himself often withdrew into the wilderness and he prayed. Please remember, Jesus was God, yet he was human. That's what we say, fully God and fully man. You bet there was frustration in that human body, human existence, where he did. He humbled himself and he took on a mantle of flesh. And he voiced his frustration many times, rebuking his own disciples for their lack of faith. How long shall I bear with you? Sharp rebukes because of a frustration. We know that God, too, has a wrath, a brimming cup of wrath that will overflow. Frustration at the lack of faith or at the wickedness of the earth. Escaping to the wilderness for Jesus was not Messiah Day Camp. It wasn't a camping trip. It wasn't out to have fun, necessarily. He found a place to meet with God. He found a place to be refreshed and reinvigorated with compassion for the lost, with patience with disciples, and direction from the Father. Jesus would escape from giving, 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 and he would say, Lord, God, give me your plan, and God would refresh him. You could think it crazy, but hundreds of old saints in our fellowship, they use their only two weeks of vacation every year to go to conferences or church retreats or revival services. The schedules are packed. It's literally two, you know, two to five sermons a day at these conferences. You're up in the morning, you get lunch in the afternoon, and you're back at church in the evening to go to bed, to wake up for church in the morning. Church in the Why would they use their vacations to go through all that? 
Some of you, you know, maybe new converts, you're hardly tolerating three services a week. It's just blowing your mind. That's more church than... <laughs> now, why would these old saints, why would believers do that? Why would they surrender their vacation? It's supposed to be, you know, go on a cruise, go to Cabo San, whatever, and go have some fun, put some sand between your toes. Now, why... Would these solid believers, why would these old saints, warriors in Jesus, they use their vacation to go to a conference? There's anointed prayer meetings at those conferences. There's messages from heaven. There's new church plants happening there. Supernatural refreshing happens in the presence of God. And those who have begun to understand this, they are more than happy to surrender their week of vacation, to go to conference, to meet with God. In the wilderness of Prescott, Arizona, or Chandler, Arizona, in the desert, to meet with God. Hundreds of pastors working full-time sometimes. Working pastors receiving uh, uh, perseverance and strength and, and challenges to righteousness in their ministry. Think about it. You, you know, your pastor is a working pastor. Some churches have full-time pastors once the church is more than full-time work. That's a lot. There's a lot on a pioneer pastor's plate. And myself and your pastor, we refresh in the conference body. We love you guys. We just need to re-love you <laughs> going to a conference. <laughs> Another of the many times that we see Jesus praying is quite specific in Luke 22. Would you join me in Luke 22? And we're going to look at verses 31 through 34. It wasn't too far from our first verse, so Luke 22, 31 through 34. Let's look at this. And the Lord said, Simon, Simon, indeed, Satan has asked for you that he may sift you as wheat. But I have prayed for you that your faith should not fail. And when you have returned to me, strengthen your brethren. But he said to him, Lord, I'm ready to go with you both to prison and to death. Then Jesus said, I tell you, Peter, the rooster shall not crow this day before you will deny me three times that you know me. Here's an example for you and I from Christ himself that you can pray for a brother or a sister to not grow weary in well-doing. That it actually has impact when you pray for someone else to not grow weary in the things of God. As if you could siphon some of your faith to them. As if you can implore heaven, God, you've got to move for my brother. You've got to move for my sister. You have to save my children. God, I'm interceding right now. And that is the word. Intercession. It is selfless prayer in consideration and compassion for another. Standing in the gap for someone else. Was not Jesus' whole life selfless? He came for us. He took on the punishment for us. He became sin who knew no sin that we should be called the righteousness of God. He gave and gave and gave. And even his prayer life, as he asked God, it was only to give. And when he prayed for his disciples to sift them, uh, uh, to save them from Satan's sifting, have you thought of that? You know, the, the angel death, they show him with a big scythe, a big, re you know, the grim reaper is what we call him. It's where we get it. Satan sifting as we, you know, he, uh, the scythe, and he's, you know, he's taking crops of the souls of men, and, and Jesus prayed that he would not get Peter. Sure enough, 
God heard that prayer. Peter became a powerhouse by the Holy Ghost. Jesus said to Peter, but I have prayed for you. Intercession for a brother. Please note, this was not the end of Peter's troubles. By no means. But very well could be the reason that Peter recovered from his failure. His biggest failure, denying Jesus while Jesus was uh, being interrogated, locked up in jail, possibly beaten at the very moment. Peter's outside, warming his hands by a fire, denying Jesus, even with curse words. I don't bleep and know the guy. This was not the end of Peter's troubles because Jesus was praying for him. It was strength from heaven to endure the trouble. And we get to look and rewind. We get to see the whole story. Yes, it worked. Now, can you have faith as you're praying for someone in troubles right now? Can you have faith? It's going to work. Because remember, your Bible challenges you that if you pray with doubt, there's no impact. Jesus said you must ask without doubt. No unbelieving. Pray in my name. It shall be done. Faith without works is dead. Can you work out your faith on your knees? Can you pray and believe, God, you're going to move. I know it. I've seen it. I've seen it. I've seen it. I've seen it in my life. And I'm going to see it again in Jesus' name. Because Jesus hasn't come back yet. He hasn't raptured his church. Therefore, the Holy Spirit is still here with us, working miracles, working in you to do awesome things in all the earth. We're going to fail at some point. Again, I, I figured I wouldn't get any amens there. But <laughs> We're going to fail at some point. And on this high wire of faith, a life of faith and not by sight, on this high wire that we're walking, it is awesome to know that we get to fall into a safety net of a praying family of God that's praying for me, praying for you. Just like your confidence is increased by knowing someone nearby is working heavy machinery to make the job easier, or to make you safer. You feel strengthened to know that I'm in a body of believers, whether big or small. Jesus had his 12. It doesn't matter the size. But if I have two or more gathered in Jesus' name, their Christ is in the midst. He's with me. They're praying for me. This is my constant challenge to our church because, you know, you know, Bible Belt, here we are. You know, everyone's saved. You know, believe in God. They'll say, I'm praying for you. My question is, are you really? Because we can say that. And that's kind of a slap in the face. It's, it's like a pharisaical, you know, I'm praying for you. We look holy. We sound good. We sound compassionate. But I've been convicted time and time again. The Holy Spirit came down, smacked me upside the head, said, you haven't prayed for them, you liar. When you say, I'm praying for you, are you really? Because I want to take confidence. I want to take strength. That my brothers and my sisters at my side saying they're praying for me are actually praying for me. I need the safety net. I need the heavy machinery. I need the artillery of the prayers of the saints weakening the enemy that we can stay on the advance. But empty words, I'm praying for you, is like, you know, what are they called? Bullets that don't work. A blank. You fire in blanks? We got a real enemy that's out for the souls of men. He's looking to sift you, looking to drag you to hell. And if I'm firing blanks, what good is that? There needs to be some power and some reality in your prayer life. It's a very physical act that unlocks a very spiritual God. 
Just like, uh, uh, again, I want to hammer in that we pray for people when we tell them we're going to pray for them. Our church has a group text together, and uh, a need arises. Something, someone's going through something, they text the group, and right at the moment we say we're praying for you. And I believe it. I believe they are. There's a prayer for deliverance. Would you join me in Acts chapter 12? Acts chapter 12. Look at this awesome story. Speaking of Peter, speaking of the one who failed and yet recovered, the Holy Ghost was not done with him because of a failure. Even denying Christ, as serious as that is, we've denied God. We've denied him, yet he, his mercy renewed in the morning. He rekindled relationship with us. We repented of our sin. And now we find Peter persecuted for his faith, doing mighty things for God. And here we see God answering the prayers of the saints. Acts 12, look at 5 through 16. Let's read this whole portion. Peter was therefore kept in prison, but constant prayer was offered to God for him by the church. Hallelujah. You believe in corporate prayer. I believe in a prayer room. I believe in 24 hour when we're in those three days of fast, everyone signs a sheet and we're there in the house of God praying 24 hours a day. Six. And when Herod was about to bring him out, that night Peter was sleeping, bound with two chains between two soldiers, and the guards before the door were keeping the prison. Now behold, an angel of the Lord stood by him, and a light shone in the prison, and he struck Peter on the side and raised him up, saying, Arise quickly. And his chains fell off his hands. Then the angel said to him, Gird yourself and tie on your sandals. And so he did. And he said to him, put on your garment and follow me. So he went out and followed him and did not know that what was done by the angel was real. But he thought he was seeing a vision. He really thought he was sleepwalking. This is great. Verse 10. When they were past the first and second guard posts, so who knows what that angel was doing. People falling asleep like outside of, you know, when they rolled the stone away for Christ. I mean, soldiers just dropping, chains are dropping, Peter's just walking out, you know, stumbling. When they were past the first and second guard posts, they came to the iron gate that leads to the city, which opened to them of its own accord. And they went out and went down one street, and immediately the angel departed from him. And when Peter had come to himself, he said, Now I know that for certain the Lord has sent his angel and has delivered me from the hand of Herod and from all the expectation of the Jewish people. So when he had considered this, he came to the house of Mary, the mother of John, whose surname was Mark, where many were gathered together, say it, praying. Hallelujah. It's a prayer meeting. And as Peter knocking, uh, knocked at the door of the gate, a girl named Rhoda came to answer. When she recognized Peter's voice, because of her gladness, she did not open the gate, but ran in and announced that Peter stood before the gate. And they said to her, you are beside yourself. Yet she kept insisting that it was so. So they said, it is his angel. Now Peter continued knocking. And when they opened the door and saw him, they were astonished. Minds blown as they were opening the door to see the answer to their prayers standing before them. Church, I want you to feel that someday. I want you to have such a prayer life, praying in such faith with such strong brothers and sisters by your side that you pray, and in the middle of your prayer meeting, you see the answer come. Quick example. 
in Denton. We do not yet have our own church building, but we have a wonderful meeting facility. It's a great launching pad for what God is going to do. But our first meeting place was kind of a, you know, a ratty office meeting space. It smelled like pets. You know, the carpet was torn, holes in the wall. It wasn't very nice. And so uh, we began fasting together, our fellowship fast, three days. And so about six of us are sitting at a table and, and we're praying. We're in the middle of our prayer meeting. Our, the, the landlord's secretary, she walks in the door. She says, uh, guys, I, you know, I've told you bad news lately. You know, the United Way bought the whole building. You guys have two months to move out. But let me show you something. We get up together and we walk uh, just another building up the way. Everything's upgraded. You know, new paint, new carpet. It's bigger, full restroom, full kitchen. She says, I want to just bring you guys over to this building. The landlord made me manager of this building. And right there in the middle of a prayer meeting for a new meeting place, God, I'm not going to, we don't want to meet in the park. God, please give us a, and right in the middle of our prayer meeting, we saw an answer to prayer. I want you to, I, I, we tell that. And the Bible's full of stories of answered prayer to build your faith. So that when you pray, you, you, you can understand, man, God heard them. God heard them. God can hear me. Jesus' greatest miracles often started with, do you believe that I can heal you? So when you're praying, do you believe that God is listening to you? Do you believe that God can do what you're asking him to do? Prayer meeting that got Peter out of prison. And we see first, you know, wakes him up. Prayer can wake somebody up. <laughs> How many of you, got, you know of a sleeping saint? I mean, wives, your husband, husband, your wives, your teenage kid. You know, they come to church, they're here, but it's a sleeping saint. God, wake them up! And then there's bound, there's bound saints. They're, they're, they're chained to a wall. They're still dealing with an addiction. They're not, they're not free. They're, they're, they relapse every couple months. You know, they serve God, they try, they strive, but God can break the chains. And then there's barriers. Holding people back from destiny and progression in the ministry. There's just walls that people come to and they still have to decide, God, am I going to trust you or do I pursue this career? And you praying mom, you praying grandparent, praying father, praying daughter and son. You're praying and God opens barriers and people can walk into the glorious destiny of God because your prayer touched heaven. But it's funny that there at the prayer meeting, that was one of the gates that didn't open of itself. <laughs> Peter's there knocking, and Rhoda hears his voice, and she runs back inside. Are you ready to open the door to the miracle God's going to bring when you're asking? Can you receive it? Would you receive the miracle that you're asking for? We've heard it. You know, be careful what you wish for, <laughs> right? Sometimes we're praying for things, and it's, Man, it's, it's big. When it comes, will you receive it from God? Will you stay righteous when the answer to your prayer comes? You're asking for a raise. You're asking for a promotion. You're asking for a spouse. When God blesses your life and you're rich and spiritually fat, will you yet serve the Lord? Because a terrifying thing that I see, God richly blesses people and they're, they're out the door. They're out of the church. What is that? God's not blessing you to send you away from his will. He's blessing you that you could continue to give to others. You refuse to give, then you're on your way out the door. Paul 
uh, he prays in Colossians. I want you to see this as well. As we come to a close, I have a scripture out of Colossians and a scripture out of Romans. Colossians chapter 1, please, if you'll join me there. Colossians 1, 9 through 12. You know, we benefit from Paul's letters to his new churches. He's planting churches. He's constantly praying for them. Uh, God even helped him, had him on house arrest so he could focus. He had to stay home. He's praying. He's writing the Bible as we know it. Colossians 1, 9 through 12. For this reason, we also, since the day we heard it, do not cease to pray for you and to ask that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding. Imagine that. God can unlock understanding in your mind. Things you're not getting. Wisdom you do not currently have. Ask of the Lord and he can richly bless you with these things. Are you praying for money? Are you praying for the material? Do you ever pray for spiritual things? I mean, God is Lord of all creation, both physical and spiritual. Which gifts are bigger? What was better, that Jesus could heal a body or save a soul? Save a soul. The greatest miracle you received was in faith, in the unseen. Yet many of our immature prayers are only for what I see, only for what I can put in my pockets. Let me ask you, church, to pray for spiritual things. Wisdom and understanding. As Solomon says, that is better than riches. Verse 10. That you may walk worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing Him, being fruitful in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God, strengthening, uh, strengthened with all might, according to His glorious power, for all patience and long-suffering with joy, giving thanks to the Father who has qualified us to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in the light. There you have it, church. There's your certificate for the weaponry, for the heavy machinery of prayer. Through Jesus Christ, we are qualified to partake with righteous saints the power of prayer. Unlocking the greatest piece of equipment spiritually that you'll ever touch. The most powerful substance that you'll ever touch outside of the blood of Jesus. Prayer. Don't be so shy to pray. It really is the power released and soon realized when you call out to God. God has a foreknowledge. He knows before you speak it what you're going to ask. So he's probably already sending an answer. You open your mouth. It's on the way when you pray in faith. This is not prosperity doctrine. I'm not saying that the Mercedes has already got your name on it. But God knows when you're asking. He knows what you need, not just what you want. Parents, please, you, you, you can realize with your kids, you know a want and you know a need. A Snickers bar or, you know, you know eggs and bacon. Something real for breakfast. God knows what you need, and He's already sent what we need. He's already sent Jesus Christ. He's already released the Holy Spirit. He's already established the church. You walked in here, there was already people, a net around you to pray for you, to build you up. Look what God has already done. And do you think He's done? No, He is not done. Now that you're incorporated in this body, now that you're praying too, now that you're bringing a, a good perspective, uh, more faith into the body, this thing is moving forward in Jesus' name. Prayer is warfare, both defense and offense. It's all around. This is, this is all around game. It's special teams. It's the O-line. It's the running backs. It's the quarterback. Prayer is the warfare that we are in. It is the very start of your relationship with God. 
It was how you initiated, or God initiated. It's how you reciprocated this relationship with God. Let's look how it began as I close in Romans 10. Romans 10, verses 9 and 10. Here's where we finish. Romans 10, 9 and 10. That if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised Him from the dead, now you say it, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. The whole ball started, it started rolling when you opened your mouth and you said, God, I admit I'm a sinner, but I believe, Jesus, you died for my sins. Come into my heart. It was a prayer that got this thing started. Jesus himself is at the right hand of the Father, as Paul, by revelation, tells us, making intercession for you and I. Jesus imploring the Father, right there, right hand, right ear. I mean, there's no getting away from it. Jesus is imploring to the Father for you and I. He's praying for you. Do you guys sing the song, Somebody Prayed for Me? Oh, well, yeah, she knows that. Okay, maybe we'll learn that for tonight. But that is awesome to think my Savior, Jesus, He prayed in the wilderness. He prayed for Peter, and Peter was delivered. He's praying for me. He's praying for you. If you don't think he's had time, he's had at least 2,000 years since he died and rose again. I'm telling you, he said your name. Can you believe that? Do you believe that Jesus can do what he has done? Do you believe that he is praying for you? Now, faith without works is dead. What are you going to do about it? What are you going to do about it? Your brothers and your sisters all around you, they care about you. When your seat is empty, they'll hit you up. They're praying for you. What are you going to do about it? You're praying for someone to get saved. What if God tells you to witness? What are you going to do about it? We're asking God, do this one without me. It's kind of a rough, you know. What are you going to do about your prayers? I love what, you know, Alicia said in the wedding yesterday. She said, you know, I was praying, I was praying, but I put some feet to my prayers. You know, it's a, it's a whole other subject, but she said, I began to lose weight, you know, to, to, to be more appealing. I guess. It, it, it works. You put some action to what you're praying for. You're praying for someone to get saved. How about you start talking to them? How about you read your scriptures or introduce Jesus to them? You're praying for that raise. You're praying for that you know, opportunity at work. How about you work like you should earn it? Faith without works is dead. But the whole thing started rolling when you said, Jesus, I open my heart. I admit I'm a sinner. Forgive me of my sins. The first prayer that heaven hears washes away your sin, and then it's an open channel between you and God. You believe that? Amen. Amen. Church, would you bow your heads with me this morning? Thanks again for listening to the free version of the VBPH Sermon Podcast, where we post sermons on Mondays, Wednesdays, Fridays, and Sundays. We also have a premium version of this podcast, which posts sermons and interviews every single day of the week. So why would you want to subscribe? I'm glad you asked. I have five reasons for you. Number one, on the premium version, we post full versions of Testimony Tuesday, Pastor Campbell Thursday, and Study Day Saturday. If you'd like to hear those episodes, then subscribe now. Reason number two, uninterrupted listening. We remove all ads and all extraneous content from our premium feed. Reason number three. Premium episodes always release six hours earlier than the free version. If you're an early bird, it's a great reason to subscribe. 
Number four, our subscribers will gain access to our sermon chat group on WhatsApp, where we interact directly with listeners around the globe. If you'd like to chat with other premium subscribers, subscribe today. And finally, every dollar we raise goes to world evangelism. This is the best reason to subscribe because you are helping us launch churches all around the world. We don't put one dime in our pockets. Everything that we raise from this podcast will go directly to Thursday night of Chandler Conference. So please subscribe today by using the links in the show notes below. Thanks. Thank you so much for listening to the sermon podcast of the Virginia Beach Potter's House Church. Were you blessed by today's message? Let us know. Please leave us a rating on Apple Podcast or on Podchaser. We'll be back next time with another life-changing word from heaven. God bless.